0: Hey guys, welcome back to Joe co In 1919, Richard Rayner was born. He was a member of the Four Oaks School for Black Students. Became a member of the very first class in 1928. Um, it's otherwise known as Forest Hills, it's on 301, it's still standing. He enlisted to the military in the United States Army where he saw combat in North Africa and died on June 14, 1943. He is buried in a cemetery in Tunisia with his fellow fallen soldiers. In 1926, Talmadge Sanders was also born in Four Oaks, North Carolina, attended the same school, the Four Oaks School for Black Students, and then he went on to Johnston County Training School in Smithfield for high school. He enlisted to the Navy in World War II and served as a, second, a cook second class on the United States USS Underhill. His boat was a destroyer, which means it, it did look out for any attacks It led convoys delivering vital supplies from one place to another. Well, the Underhill saw that there was an imminent Japanese attack. Was able to determine that there were submarines in the area that were trying to take down the convoy, and the USS Underhill decided to ram one of the two manned torpedoes that the Japanese had sent their way. Instead of taking down the convoy, the torpedo took down the Underhill. The Underhill did his job. Talmadge Sanders, known as Dookie to his friends and family, went down into the Pacific Ocean near the Philippine Islands. 112 people died along with Dookie Sanders. The thing that connects these two is besides the fact that they both came from Forest Hills High School or Forest Hills Elementary School. And besides the fact they both served in World War II is that both of these gentlemen, both of these African-American gentlemen were buried unlike every other person of African ancestry that lives in Johnston County at the time. They were not buried, segregated. The sea doesn't care. The sea will take you. And in Tunisia, Mr. Rayner was buried alongside of his counterparts, regardless of race. On the other hand, that would not have occurred had they just lived in Smithfield. James K. Frierson was born in 1926 in Smithfield, and he and six other soldiers volunteered to dig six feet deep, without regard to personal safety and amidst great danger to take out two unexploded bombs in Germany just after the war. It earned him a certificate of merit. Three of his brothers also served, and and the Smithfield Herald reported on this event. It said, the headline of the Smithfield Herald said, Smithfield Negro wins citation for risking his life. It's a shame it didn't just say Smithfield man. Hmm. Isaac Woodard was born March 18, 1919, in South Carolina, but grew up just across the Johnston Line in the Wayne County city of Goldsboro. Like Sanders and Rayner and every other black North Carolinian, his school was segregated. October 14, 1942, he enlisted in the Army in Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina. He was served in the Pacific and in a labor battalion as a longshoreman. He was promoted to sergeant. And he earned a battle star for onboarding ships under enemy fire, received the Good Conduct Medal, the Service Medal, and was discharged an honorable decorated veteran in 1946. On February 12th of that same year, Isaac Wooder was on a Greyhound bus from Augusta, Georgia, where he had been discharged on the way to rejoin his family in Goldsboro. At a rest stop in Georgia, Mr. Woodard asked the driver if there was enough time to have a bathroom break. The driver apparently didn't really care for the request because there was a brief argument between the two with the driver letting him go. Woodard returned to his seat and the bus left. The next bus stop was near Aiken, South Carolina at a place called Batesburg. At the stop, the driver of the Greyhound bus contacted the local police who forcefully removed him from the bus and demanded to see his discharge papers. Police, including the captain, Linwood Shull, took Woodard to a back alley, beat him with nightsticks, and arrested him for disorderly conduct and drunkenness. Sometime that night, Shull went to Woodard's cell Asked him a question. I don't know what the question was, but I do know the answer according to testimony. Woodard replied with yes. Shaw apparently wanted to hear yes, sir. So much that not hearing it meant that he had to beat Woodard. Punch him in the eyes with a billy club so bad that Woodard not only was blinded for life, but he also suffered amnesia just because he didn't say, sir. The next morning, he was dragged before the local judge, who found him guilty of disorderly conduct and drunkenness, and fined him $50. Mr. Woodard requested medical assistance. He couldn't see. It took two days to get it to him. Woodard, having amnesia, was sent to a hospital where his care was lax at best. In the meanwhile, his relatives had expected him a few days ago. Naturally, they became worried and reported him missing. Three weeks passed, and they finally found him languishing in this hospital, beaten, blind, and he was rushed to a larger hospital that could accommodate his, his needs. When the NAACP campaigned to the South Carolina government to address the incident, The government of South Carolina, including the governor at the time, dismissed it outright, saying, basically, that's South Carolina justice. And since this was a nationwide hunt, news got out about finding him. News also got out about how he was found. And his case went, to use a modern day term, went viral, so to speak, on the front pages everywhere. Then it hit the radio. On the Orson Welles Commentaries radio show, very popular on ABC, on July 28, 1946, Orson Welles read an affidavit, an account, of what happened to Woodard, signed by Woodard and the NAACP. Orson Welles, famous actor and celebrity, criticized the South Carolina government as shameful. Legendary folk singer Woody Guthrie, you know, the guy that sings, This Land is Your Land? Well, he recorded a song called The Blinding of Isaac Woodard, hence the name of this podcast episode. On September 19, 1946, NAACP president met with Harry Truman to discuss the Woodard case. When Truman heard about the inaction of South Carolina, he exploded and directed the attorney general to open an investigation. Within a week, Chief Shull and several other officers were indicted The beating took place on federal property. So, therefore, Woodard was... Well, I mean, the crime happened on federal property. It was, therefore, inside federal jurisdiction. And Woodard was still a member of the armed services. So, the trial was local. It was an all-white jury because in South Carolina, juries were segregated regardless of what happened. The local United States attorney didn't properly pursue the case. Schull's defense lawyer yelled racial slurs at Woodard during the trial. Schull claimed self-defense. He said Woodard had a gun. There was absolutely no evidence of that at all. The defense lawyer suggested that South Carolina should even secede again if the jury prosecuted these lawmen. On November 5th, the jury found the officers not guilty. The court applauded, and these men were never punished. Mr. Shaw lived a long life, dying in the early 2000s. In December, Truman, still upset about what happened to Woodard and other cases that came up in the conversation about it, established the Civil Rights Commission. In June of 1947, Truman became the first sitting president to address. A convention of the NAACP, and that civil rights, in that speech, he said that civil rights was a moral priority and many states could obviously not be trusted with it. And when I, he said, when I say all Americans have the rights, I mean all Americans, quoting Truman right there. In February 1948, he sent the first comprehensive civil rights bill to Congress in American history. In July, he issued Executive Order 9981, banning racial discrimination in the armed forces, and Executive Order 9980, which fully integrated the federal government against the advice of some of his generals. It cost some Southern votes in the 1948 election, too. It also helped to start the trend of many Southern states toward the Republican Party as Truman was Democrat. Woodard's drunk and disorderly charge, his conviction, was vacated in 2018, and a historical marker was placed in Batesburg, which is now Batesburg-Leesville, about the Woodard case. It was unveiled in 2019, and the bottom part of the marker was in Braille. There's that. So, y'all, there's this episode. I felt like it is uh, concurrent with the times we're living in and the times we've always lived in, for a matter of fact. And um, until next time, be good.